0: Uh, tonight is a special night because uh, my friend and mentor, Paul Stanley, is going to be sharing with us tonight. He, he, um, he's forgotten more than he knows about most things, but this one he remembers real well. And uh, he's got an entire t- teaching that literally he goes all over the world uh, on, on the theme of leading like Jesus. And so he's going to take us into just one module of that tonight, which, so I would just uh, encourage you to get out whatever you use for taking notes and get your Bibles ready and just be prepared for that. So uh, after we break, Greg, Greg uh, after we finish up, Greg will give us some instruction on where to go for the evening, and we'll have three breakout sessions after that. So Paul, uh, come on up, and uh, we'll pray you in. So a little history of my relationship with Paul um, my father-in-law gave me a book, and in the inscription he wrote in the book, it was dated 1995, and it was um, some very personal language. If I was to read that, you know, my father-in-law typically would tear up. That book was written when I lived in Georgia, and it was. Uh, this is a book on mentoring and connecting with men. Which Russell, that's what you do. That's who you are. This will help you do it better. And uh, love, Dad. He gave me that book almost 17 years ago, and back up now eight nine years. And one day I was having a conversation with a guy here at New Life, and um, and we were talking about this book called Connecting. And he goes, "Oh, you mean Paul Stanley?" And I said, "Yeah, Paul." And he goes, "Well, he's an elder here. You want me to set up a meeting?" I'm like, "Are you kidding?" And it was love at first sight. <laughs> so let me pray for you, Paul. Father, thank you for this man. Lord, I just pray just an extra measure of your spirit to be outpoured, that uh, his words would just be anointed from you, uh, that though he is a great man, Lord, you are greater. And, um I just pray for receptive hearts tonight for the word that all of us would be transformed by the power of the word tonight and the work of your spirit. We just pray for this time in Jesus' name, amen. Amen,
1: thank you. So thank you very much. It's great to be here. I love being with men and uh, interacting. And I love smallness because um, it means we can talk. So, as I am, just let's, we'll treat this as a little seminar uh, talk. So, what do you think about that, Paul? Or or a question on that, or what does that look like? Or, you know, I'd just love to have it be more interactive. So, do feel, you know, free to do that. Just put your hand up and and we'll we'll get into that. So, that'd be fun. I was on my way to uh, Singapore, Um, got bumped up to business class, and so I was sitting next to the vice, one of the vice, senior vice presidents of IBM, and <clears throat> he was on his way to um, the one of the countries, Asia. They had opened up a number of manufacturing facilities, and as we, uh, you know, introduced, we uh, gave swapped our names and all the rest. But the bottom line was, we got into quite a conversation, a good one. He was about 37 years old, just been promoted, and was uh, on his way and to look at these facilities, uh, he's responsible for the manufacturing of hardware of all the, uh, a lot of the uh, storage units and all the rest. So anyhow, as we got into this, we were talking about it and I'll just go uh, quickly to the, to the, the punchline. Um, as we were talking, I, uh, I had heard a friend of mine uh, said to me one time, Paul, um, who are you? And I had a lot of trouble answering that question. And so I was, thought I would give him trouble. So uh, we had just uh, enough, the dinner was coming, and we had been about 45 minutes together. And I said, so now, um, uh, Brian, who are you? He says, oh, he says, um, um, oh, you mean what do I do? I said, no, who are you? He said, how do you answer that? I said, well, is there anything in you that is of uh, extreme value uh, that you would like to say about who you are? And so uh, we went back and forth, and I said, well, what value do you have to your company? Okay, well, that's a little bit closer, you know. And and so when you think of yourself, what... um, what motivates you? We, we got into everything I was trying to pull through. But anyhow, we, we didn't uh, do very well. He had just the same trouble I did some years ago. But then he turned to me and he says, Okay, how do you answer that question? And I said, I answer that question in three ways. I am a child of God, a son. I am a servant of God. And I am a steward of God. He said, oh, so you must be religious. I said, uh, well, no, I, would, I don't call myself religious at all. I call myself uh, spiritual. Uh, and I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's this relationship that, I, that gives me uh, these uh, identities because I, I go to God with this. So I told him about what they meant. The son that gives me intimacy, gives me belonging, gives me... uh, uh, access to the Father. He said, wow, that's good. I said, well, the servant gives me purpose. It gives me direction. I know what I need to do. I know who my master is. And I constantly am getting updates on what he wants me to do. And it's meaningful. And then the, uh, the steward is, it gives me responsibility. I know what I'm responsible for, what I'm accountable to, and I co-labor with God in that. He says, "Where did you get all that?" So it got into quite a conversation. We went on for hours, and uh, but it just those it's it's our identity. And so as we've been studying this with uh, some others, uh, uh, what are those motivating identities of Jesus? They were those that I just said, son, servant, and steward. And so I thought I would just take one and a part of the one, the steward, and just share some thoughts with you on this, uh, because it, it is very, very important for him, uh, for Jesus, and it's, it's really important for us. This doesn't bend, does it? Yeah. Okay, I've got to go like this. Okay. And I'd like to go all the way back to Genesis. Genesis 1. Genesis 1 we find and we meet God. Isn't it interesting? The first two verses of Genesis 1 and the whole Bible is we meet a working God. He's working. And where it tells us, of course, and you probably uh, know these all because it was all about the beginning. It says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless, empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So there was chaos. There was darkness. There was no form, no, no, nothing put together. And so God comes into this picture. And what does he do? He brings order out of chaos. And that's a, not only a worker... You can't get your work done until, unless you order things. Get, get things in order. Uh, the same way with leadership. You, you move into a situation that's chaotic, you first of all have to take away the chaos and bring order into it. Otherwise, you can't work. You can't do things. You, you, you're, uh, you're, you're handicapped as you work on that. And so that's exactly what happened. God took a look at this and brought order. And so he brought order to this empty, formless darkness. And then, of course, is the next, the first one where he said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and then he separated the light from the darkness, and God called the, day, uh, the light day, and the darkness he called night. And this is all about the first day. So here we see a God stepping into this situation and immediately bringing order, and then he starts work, and the first thing he creates is light. And he turns, as a good leader will do, and assesses your work. He says, "You know, they—that's great. It's—it um, looks good. It's—it it's, is good." And so he continues all through that chapter, creating, evaluating, creating, evaluating. And so then he comes to the end of that, and he. Um, gets to a place where he says, well, we're going to make now human beings. Adam and Eve are going to come about. And so he says, uh, that uh, it starts in 26, it says, then God said, let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. That's going to be very important because that gives us capacity to do things. To do stewardship as we're going to look at tonight. So God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Basically, that's what, people call the world mandate. He's telling us, and I'll just shift it around, it's more practical, to rule, subdue, and make fruitful. So whatever you're in, wherever you are, rule it. I've just created all this. Now he turns to this creation of of a man and woman, and he says, now I want you to rule. And rule means give direction, take responsibility, Seize it. Seize it. Somebody walks up to you. I've got a job for you and, and could be your boss and said, I want you to take this job. And you seize it. You say, yes. We don't say, well, I'm not sure whether I can do it. I no. Seize it. It's mine. I need to do that. And then it's rule and uh, it's subdue. And subdue is more like manage. We manage it. We create it. We, we manipulate, move it. And we work it till it begins to become fruitful. Fruitful. And that's what's very important for us. Is this stewardship affects all areas of our life. It affects our purpose for life. You know, if you would have said, what is the great purpose for life? Uh, You probably would have quoted uh, the Great Commission or love God with all your heart. And many of these areas and, and commands that are out of scripture and they're solid. But here's the very first one. Very few would name this. They were given a mandate. A mandate to go and rule over what God had just created. And that's what he does with us. It comes right into everything he gives us. And so we need to, we need to work at that. We need to see this. And let's just take a look at these words. Rule. It's to make authoritative decisions. Make decisions you you have it, you can rule, God gives you that ability, and so we rule and, and uh, over decisions regarding what uh, the matter and the course and the direction of where it 's going. We bring order into our world. we are a connection between God and the earth. the earth is is, is not uh, Cultivated, it's not working. A matter of fact, later he puts him right in the smack in the middle of a, a Garden of Eden and he says, Care for it, take it, make it fruitful. Wherever he puts us, he has what we call a domain. He has given to you a domain. A domain's really important for us. And what is a domain? How do we define a domain? Domain would be that which I'm responsible for. It's the area where I rule. God rules all over the whole world, the earth, the universe. That's his domain. But you and I, as his his stewards, we have a domain. And it's given to you. Now, what would be some of the domains? I want you to participate in this. What would be some of the domains that... uh, we have, yes, our home. our home physically, okay, physically, yep, okay, family. yep, family, what else, workplace. workplace, or the job that you have, okay, marriage, marriage. yep, yeah, that's great, uh-huh, any more, friendships. friendships, yes, friendships, we steward those, we care for those, what else, the church, the, church? the ministry you you yeah, you're excellent. Yeah, I mean, we have to do that. And so we, we have a number of domains. And the question is, what are we doing with them? Well, what does the Bible say? Can you name those three words? First one is? Rule. Second one? Subdue. Third one? Make fruitful. Yeah. And it not only says make fruitful, but it also says make fruitful and multiply. And you know what's applied there then? Is that you don't just go out and, and uh, make, uh, put enough in, in a garden that will give us food, food to eat, make fruitful. But it's to multiply. So what would that mean? How would a farmer multiply what he, what he has? Okay, and that's bringing the first part, the fruitfulness. But then he says, and multiply. So that means he goes, buys another few acres. He takes some seed with him, and he over there and starts something new. Because if we don't multiply, I I bet some of us here had problems uh, financially. Because we just wanted to make fruitful some of our investments instead of multiplying it. Multiplying it. That's, that's a big one. Put it in other places. Look for other situations that might be profitable. You know, and this is really important for us, that we look at where we are. One of the things is your body. Is your body. One of the commitments I made when I was 30 years old, just to, to um, uh, I played a lot of sports when I was in college. And so uh, when I left with a trainer who I became very close to, he said, uh, well, you'll be just like all the other big guys. Uh, I, I was about 195 pounds and playing football. And, and he said, uh, I'll probably see you about 220 pounds. Because you guys have a ferocious you know, appetite. You eat a lot and, and you don't work out. and you know, you're, It's just things. But when you get to be 30, you'll be that way. So I told my wife, I said, I'm going to lose my weight to get to 185 and keep it the rest of my life. Well, I'm 70 years old right now, and I'm exactly 185. And that came from a lot of stewardship. A lot of saying no to things. I've worked out. I have machines. I just keep going, and now I've got to slow myself down a little bit because I'm getting a little bit too... um, forget how old I am sometimes. So uh, I feel really beat the other day coming up. And Phyllis says, wow, what'd you do? And I said, well, I went double the speed on a couple things. And so she says, you're going to kill yourself. I said, well, one of the contracts I've made with God is this. You've given me a message and a task and a mission to carry out during my lifetime. And I don't want my physical abilities, my physical capacity to cause me to fail and never meet what you hadn't planned for me. So there's a side of us that's stewardship. It's stewardship. And some, it's harder. Some, whatever it is, we, we look at these uh, areas of life, we just have to do this. We, uh, uh, our family, where is it going? Do we have ideas? Do we have uh, plans? Do we uh, read the Bible together periodically and, or several times a week? Or th- do we talk about it? Do, you, do we engage our children? So we, I have 11 grandchildren now. And so we've chosen to be um, uh, active, and, uh, intentional grandparents. So my, my four children, they all say, well, what else would we expect you get an active uh, grandpa and he's going to, you know, try. So we, we have contact with him. We have prayed for him. We, we, do, we think about things. So all these areas, I have a stewardship as a grandfather. You have a stewardship as a father. Stewardship as a brother and a, um, to you know, the rest of your family. We have stewardships. And you know what's going to happen someday? What happens in stewardships? Well, <laughs> right yeah, but we're going to be accountable. We're going to be accountable. And so let's just keep going on some of this here. Um, so to rule is very important. It's decision-making, all these different things are involved there. But um, the subdue part is, is part. it says, "Bring under control. manage it. manage it well. Bring under control by conquest and to to keep under control by maintenance. You know, have you ever tried to be a steward uh, uh, of your lawn here? I mean, it's one of the hardest places to to grow anything, especially lawn. So I'm watering it. I'm doing everything. I'm trying to be a steward to my lawn. And I got some green and that's probably about it. It's not going to be so fancy. It's uh, I've had to settle for it. And I told God, if He sends some sunlight that can hit my lawn, it would really be great. But uh, that's part of the toil, right? We, we are going to have a toil to uh, work the soil. That's what one of the curses says is that uh, it's not going to be easy for us to, to take care of those kinds of things." So, and so the third one is, is to be fruitful and, and really see this produce something physically and also spiritually. And so we we step into these, and, and uh, it's a really a, a great challenge for us. But I just wanted to, to extract uh, a, a couple, f- four areas where we just need to be aware of. We are stewards. We're Ma- the Matthew twenty five. It's the ta- the parable of the talents. Remember, they gave different ta- talents, and and that's a g- great picture of stewardship. And we'll touch a little bit of that. Oh, yeah. But the first thing is, we have responsibility for our world, for our domain. So how are we doing on it? What are some of the domains? We've just mentioned some of those. It's a, a challenge. It's good. It's good to recognize these. We can't walk away from it. But as we travel around and as we look at our communities and places, we are, in God's mind, a gift to the, to the earth basically, to, to the population. Because we as followers of Christ should bring our stewardship into all that we're here, all that we're doing. To our job we bring it in, we, we bring it other places. I, I ministered for a while in, in uh, the Soviet Union and the sad part about that was is uh, what the communist uh, culture did to man, to, to men. They basically wouldn't let them work very hard. They get a job and the job would be just nobody would work very hard. And so they would cram a, a, a three hours of work and eight hours and, and nobody would, you know, nobody said anything because they didn't own it. They didn't need to, to develop it. They didn't need to see a profit. It, it took all the, all the drives and motives that men have. And they had the highest rate of alcoholism in the world they still do with vodka, the vodka, of course, you know it 's like fire water, and you see these men because they can 't do other things are are they go in and drink, and it 's destroying that the whole i mean literally millions of men you see that way because why they just they took away responsibility for them when you take away responsibility, you really take it away from a man. I've watched men lose jobs and I've watched women lose jobs. And there's a big difference. To lose a job for a man is part of who he is. Because if you go back to Genesis, uh, the first part that we talked about, we met a working God. Well, he is a working God. He's, He's moving, he's creating, he's doing these things. Now, hey, but... Before he even told us to worship the Lord, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, what he did was he told us he gave us a job to do. He gave us work. And what I've concluded in studying this is that work is a form of worship. It's worship because if you look in Colossians three twenty three and 24, it says that. Can anybody remember the theme of that? It talks about do all things as unto the Lord. All things. So my work. So I was, I was with a bunch of CEOs one time and we were talking about it. And I said, now let's say you uh, came to work and uh, the parking lot was empty. You drove up. You had a key. You opened it up and you went in and you, you went and there was nobody there. And you walked up to your office and you decided, well, I'm going to work. This is a work day for me. So you started to get into the, uh, the work and the challenges that you had that day and you worked through it and all the rest, but nobody was there. And then the end of the day came about five o'clock and you walked out the door and you locked it and you got in your car. Did that day please God in your way? I mean, there was no Bible studies at the work, he didn't uh, tell anybody about Jesus, uh, he, but he worked and he worked hard. And at the end of the day, he said, unto you, unto you, Father. I'm sure that God just delighted in that. He delights when we walk out our stewardship. And so this is really, really important for us. He's he's there. He wants to do some things with us. So we have those responsibility uh, to our world around us. We ought to be able to look at places, look at some of the domains you have and say, that person is a steward. That person is a steward. Now, I lived in Germany for a number of years. And, of course, the Germans were known for the Lutheran uh, drive and, and all the rest. And, and they work very hard. And they're really uh, powerfully uh, driven to, to make things right and all the rest. And, and, and so, uh, but they were working not for him, but they were, they were earnest and good in their stewardship for their own self. So it's, it's the father who gives us the responsibility. It's the God of all gods who puts us in that domain. He said, go for it. Go for it. And so he backs up. And many of the, uh, the parables, all uh, about uh, stewardship, will have somebody, uh, they take a, um, uh, they see that the, uh, there was a master, there's a person who's an owner, they give them something, then they depart. And then they come back. And when they come back, they expect things to be done. And so we see that theme carried on. But then we also are capable. Um, God made us in his own image. So we are not people who are all powerful, but we have power. Let me read some of the com- the, the, uh, the the Passover's. God's attributes and man's attributes. God is righteous and just. Man has a conscience. God is sovereign. We have a will. God is love. We have the capacity to love and be loved. God is all-knowing. We have minds to think and conclude. God is all-powerful. We have some power and strength that doesn't match his. God is immutable. We have character and stability. God is eternal. Man is immortal. We have a lot of it because when he said, I created them in my own image, this is what he did the capacity to love, the capacity to work. Have you ever just stopped someday and been able to work on something and it came out and it, you finished it? Did you say, thank you, Father. Not just that you gave it to him, but unto you, Father. This is unto you. This house well, I'm taking care of, uh, just, you know, the, that I have, and, and it's, it's hard. You know, there's always things coming up. I loved it when I rented houses. All I had to do is call the landlord said, hey, your house is, needs this or needs that, but uh, now I own my own, so I'm in trouble. I have to be a steward. But we are stewards even before with when we're renting, aren't we? So it's, it's a challenge for us that so we are capable. We have the ability to do and to, to um, be stewards of our own domain. So think of that. Think of those various domains. The third one is we have authority to make decisions. Authority to make decisions. Remember in Genesis 2, 19 and 20, he gave, God gave Adam the privilege and the job of naming all the animals. Now, what did Adam, what did Adam do? Yeah, he seized it, right. He seized it, went down there. I can't imagine, you know, when I drive around and look at how hard people have worked on to just give names to new roads. I mean, some of them are ridiculous. I mean, I just thought, boy, they must have had a bad day there, (laughs) you know. But here he had it. He had to name these, all these animals. Now, what didn't happen? God gave him the job, but he wasn't How was he doing? No, bad name for that one. Giraffe? No. No, Giraffe for the big neck guy. Okay, yeah. And, and, oh, yeah. No. He stepped back. You do it. And all the names stuck. He didn't micromanage. He gives you the charge. Gives you the domain. Gives you what you need to do. And you do it. And that's what he did. And I'm sure as, you know as some of us might have done we uh, were naming these off and then we come to a funny name and we look back and see if God's looking you know well that didn't happen god released him into that task like he does us he gives us a job and he walks away now you have this power you have it in the image of god you can pray i can help you uh, i can send other people but you are responsible for your domain so we are capable, and we have authority. We have authority to make decisions, and it's really wonderful. We actually have a mandate with Genesis 128, where it says, rule, subdue, and make fruitful. That wasn't just a suggestion for you uh, men who would like to study the Bible uh, a little bit uh, deeper. It's, it's an imperative. It's a command. It's a command from him. He says, now rule, subdue, and make fruitful. And we'll be accountable to that, because that's the third one. Uh, I mean, the fourth one. It says, we have accountability to God. Accountability to God. So this is really important to understand this. And I'm I'm sorry, I've just kind of run through a couple of, uh, we could have stopped and got some illustrations and look at it, but I think you men understand and know this well and mine is just a reminder of my time here but let's just say it all together the three things we're supposed to do we're supposed to rule do and make fruitful and, and multiply let me just pray father thank you so very much for giving us the privilege of being your workers the being, those that uh, have a d- domain. And we know, and over in uh, Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, you, you gave different amounts of talents to each one. And we know our talents are all different. Our gifts are different. And you've given us and you expect us to, to be faithful in our stewardship, to multiply, to make things work well for your sake and for your glory. Bless us in the name of Jesus. Amen.